Welcome to New England Take, to WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Listen to the New England Take Fridays at 6 AM, as well as in the 6 AM hour Tuesdays on WKXL in the morning, which I also host here on WKXL. Excited to be joined today by Nathan Fink. He is the Director of Advancement at New Hampshire Children's Trust, which is a chapter of Prevent Child Abuse America. He's also the host of New Hampshire Family Now, which is a podcast that actually airs here on WKXL in the morning in the 6 a.m. hour on Mondays, alternating with the New Hampshire Business Review. So AJ has one less interview he's got to do every other week, which is greatly appreciated. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So let's just start off with a baseline. I mean, what is the New Hampshire Children's Trust? Yeah, great question. The New Hampshire Children's Trust is a 501c3 that works to ensure that families and caregivers have what they need to be successful, no matter where they are in the Granite State. And we do that by working with family serving agencies like family resource centers or coalitions or other community stakeholders to make sure that, you know, um, to make sure that the, the the trainings are available for their staff, that there are standards and continuity among programs and services, um, that we can stand up, say, new programs that address emerging challenges like the Kinship Navigation Program that helps grandparents, aunts and uncles, or other caregivers who are taking care of other people's children, you know, because of circumstances. And we work on other sorts of levels, like the advocacy level, awareness of the challenges and solutions. That's really what I do, which is try to normalize these issues and let caregivers know that, hey, look, you're not alone, that there are people out there just like you. Uh, And that when we connect to those people and the services, we are that much more resilient. You know, our families are that much more resilient. And, you know, the children in our care are going to be that much more resilient as well. That's that's amazing. I feel like a real standout in this is like I've seen your website. You've got a kinship uh, navigation program, and I feel like that's often forgotten in these conversations with regards to childcare. We always focus on the parents or the foster parents, adoptive parents. Uh, but in a lot of family situations, either it's because the pa- both parents work, or it's a matter of this relative is the person that honestly is the one responsible for the child. Uh, next to like other kin are forgotten in the system. Right. That's right. And you know, this is where I love, absolutely love the work that we do in our partnership with the family resource centers across the state. The whole motto is that they are not there to judge what family looks like. They are there in support of family. So whether or not your family looks like a grandparent or a great grandparent and grandchildren and aunt and uncle, you know, whatever the situation is, they are there to assess first and foremost your strengths because this is a strength-based service where they come in and recently uh, a few podcasts ago on our podcast i had a home visitor come in which is kind of part and parcel of this work going into the home if you if you're interested and to say my gosh look at how resilient you are because we're we all face challenges no matter how strong we think we are but this work is based first and foremost in what you're doing right Right. And then once you get to that level of assessment, what what am I doing right as a parent or as a caregiver that gets you to a place where what else do I want to do? You know what I mean? Do I need personally? I've got a young son, three uh, and six, and I've got one in the other room just just in case somebody (laughs) bursts in uh, on COVID protocol. Right. So here I am trying to balance work, trying to balance an interview like this. And my stressors are starting to outweigh my resources. And that's just 
normalizing the, the parent experience. And so when you get into any situation or family situation, what we can predictably say is you're going to need support at some point. And it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or where you work. Parenting is incredibly joy-inducing as well as stress-inducing. So let's see if we can't lower that stress and raise that joy level. Yeah, I feel like it's, the, especially in New England, it's very much often the mindset of uh, the the Protestant work ethic. I'm going to, I'll take care of my family. We're going to take care of this. We're going to move on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not always the best option for you and your family. And maybe you do need extra assistance, whether it is the extended family member, which we did just talked about, or if it's other services that maybe are available in the state, like, um, I feel like the state resources are especially hard for people, especially you don't necessarily have time to spend a couple hours on the internet seeing what services are available. They don't know the phone line to call. Um, a regular contributor to the New England take is the New Hampshire Department of Insurance, which right. makes sure that, uh, A, they're not getting screwed over by anyone, but also just to make sure you have access to healthcare services through a payer of some sort. Right. Um, and how do you guys navigate things like that? Well, this is, I mean, what's interesting about what you just said is, you know, usually you come to help at a crisis point, right? right? So I'm in crisis, I need help. And when you're coming to help in a crisis point, you are looking at trying to find an intervention to satisfy a need that's right now and very acute. I can't either heat my home, I've lost something, you know, COVID has put so many people out of work. And the work of the Children's Trust is actually to go upstream into the prevention mindset, which is, before there's a challenge in challenge in your life, what exists in support uh, at that moment? And when you invest in prevention of certain challenges, what you're going to get is a network of support so those challenges don't arise. Or when they do, those challenges are not, you know, insurmountable that you can get over them. That's why, you know, with that, you mentioned the kinship navigation program. We also have resource navigation. So let's say with regards to COVID, let's say you're having financial issues. Let's say you've got to, you know, you've got to sort out your taxes. Let's say you're looking for some sort of legal advice uh, or you need to navigate, you know, what is that had been out there in terms of pay, uh, um, payments directly to households. How do you sign up for that? Well, Station and Family Resource Centers and other family serving agencies, there's a resource resource navigator that you can call and, you know, to find your local family resource center, you go to fsnh.org and that's family support, New Hampshire. Org. And you go there and you look up your zip code and you can find a resource navigator nearest you. And in this new zoom era, um, I think it's really, really easy to connect. Um, but, you know, kind of like bring that down though, on the, the, the personal level, because when I come to this work, I come to it, I think, first and foremost, as a dad, which is probably you don't want to tell my superiors because <laughs> I'm supposed to come into it as a professional. But when COVID first hit in March of 2020, we were all kind of released into this new wilderness. And I remember and this is along that prevention intervention like mode, like what are we looking at here? 
my wife worked nights and at that time she wasn't home yet because she hadn't been released into this wild. And I remember trying to put my youngest son who was two at the time, his name is Winnie, uh, after my grandfather family name, I always have to say that. <laughs> but uh, I, I was trying to put him down to sleep at night and I had a load of work to do, a messy house. I was alone and he wouldn't go to sleep. He's a, he's, it's like putting a ferret to bed. It just doesn't work. And so he was wiling out as best I can describe it. And I could feel my blood pressure going up and up and up. And I was like, I couldn't de-stress. I couldn't decompress in this moment. And all of a sudden I had this realization, which is, oh my gosh, you know, the prevention of say child abuse and neglect, which is really strengthening the family unit needs to happen in my house. Right. Because it's not something I can throw on some demographic because I'd like to think of myself as privileged, middle class, whatever, you know, I've got going for me. This can happen right here in my home. And so that realization to me made this notion of preventing problems before they arise so critical. It, it so, really makes you think as a parent, I've got a seven year old Isaac um, who's made appearances on the show periodically through or since the show began. Um and those those instances really make you click with you like, oh, if I wasn't in such a stable condition emotionally, financially, housing wise, other people in the house, maybe you got multiple kids that are all going through the same thing uh, all at once. It's you can see how you end up going down these bad pathways over time. Yep, I think and I think they're predictable. And I hate to say the the veering toward and correcting veering toward and correcting is not only predictable. I think it's normal yes. because uh, I, you know, I, fatherhood to me is shocking, joyful, amazing, wouldn't change it, you know, wouldn't want it any other way, but I'm learning about the depth of the self here. And in that, you know, you have to lean on certain coping mechanisms, right? Now, what happens when that coping mechanism is, do you like to have a drink at night, Right. I, I'm, hey, I'm in that pocket. I come from a background of substance misuse. So what happens then when I'm not reflective enough to say, hey, is that working for me? You know, because I didn't sleep well last night, but you know what I know that might work, right? So this is the thing about kind of understanding not only where you're at and where you could go, but what you want based on also the parenting journey that you had and you want for your own kid. And I know as a, as a dad, you probably get that all the time too, where you're just like, I need to do my work. What do I do now? Because I can't shake this, this feeling. I'm literally recording at home right now. With most of the New England take interviews. If you listen to me on WKXL in the morning, and I, I'm at, at my desk at, at three feet from my bed, ultimately right here. <laughs> so, so that separation and knowing that I, Isaac might have a problem. I might need to step away for a minute. I might need to do that. Uh, got a wife, obviously. If something comes yep. up, she's like a, managing that balance. And I, I feel like that's an important aspect of what you guys are doing with the Children's Trust is telling stories that so other people are aware of what's going on with other families. So you don't feel like you're the only one out there with these things going on. And it's, it's, to me, it seems like that's an important aspect to your podcast, uh, New Hampshire Family Now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would, I think, refer to myself as kind of the village idiot because I, my, when I get on, what I am looking to do is 
wrestle with something that's happening with me and my family or with my co-host, Jolyn Drennan, who's absolutely fantastic and understand it through the parent or caregiver lens to say, look, what is this like? You know, I, I had signed up my son for a, a soccer team. Then all of a sudden I realized all of the awful things that I disliked about the way I was raised near sports started to come to the surface. I needed to talk about that, right? Because there's a toxicity around athletics that all of a sudden I felt bleed out. So my role in that is to essentially lay a framework for like, hey, this is what I'm going through. And then to bring on people from the field, experts, you know, social workers, doctors, psychologists, wh whoever, you know, public figures to say, all right, let's look at that, please, through a lens. And let's see what that sounds like when we kind of cast it over what's available and what's out there. And um, and I also think, and this is, you know, I'm really, really big on father engagement. You know, if, if you, fathers, it, engaging the father in the life of the child is so critically important that we need to do more of it, you know, and on, um, I started a co-parenting group, I'm sorry, a, a, a father's group uh, with Carol Lunen from the Grapevine that's going to run on January 18th at uh, 8.30 p.m. because I could only do it after I put my sons down or put that those ferrets to bed. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it's just stress. But that that's what the podcast is. And it's a joy, mm -hmm. you know, and hearing other people's stories. It's a joy because it makes me feel less isolated, less isolated and less like, uh, you know, the unnormal, even though I hate that word. Yeah, totally. And it's it's kind of been the theme of, of, of my show and how I approach analysis of basically anything. But it's like you look through things through a filter of some sort. It's it's good to know the person that you're hearing in a podcast or through an organization, what filter they're looking at it through. Like I mean, I make no bones about where my full time job is, where mm. my political allegiances lie, right. uh, when I'm upset with my own political allegiances, because I feel like that's really important to understand that it's not black and white. There's going to be these fantastic moments as a parent. There's going to be these very painful and frustrating <laughs> moments as a parent right. and talk about needing help using those resources. Um, I mean, what are some standouts from your interviews on the show that um, really stood out and were surprising to you? Well, I am um, uh, quite a while ago, I talked to uh, Cassie Yackley, who runs the Center for Trauma-Informed Care. And if I've butchered that name, I'm so sorry, Cassie. We talked about ACEs and the effects of adverse childhood experiences on children and their development and their rearing. And then as parents, what can we do to essentially uh, uh, support? Because you're going to go through traumatic experience. Part of life is part of, I think, confronting a varying degree of experience, right? Not everything is quote unquote traumatic, but it's certainly impactful. So that interview was fantastic. Um, also recently uh, interviewed Christine and David Phillips from Friends of Anya, which is a New Hampshire's only child grief center. Um, that was because, because of, you know, obviously my two children, um, Christine and David co-founded this uh, because they had lost their daughter and they watched their other daughter try to wrestle with it while they were wrestling their own grief and realized there needed to be a dedicated support system for children because they needed to, to kind of figure out who they were in response to 
that occurrence in life. So that was amazing. And our season finale, which uh, aired, I think, uh, December 23rd, Susan Stearns, who is now um, the executive director of NAMI New Hampshire. Congratulations, Susan. She, uh, we talked about mental wellness with regards to how we have our, um, so uh, Susan Stearns, I interviewed her around um, uh, resolutions, right? Mm-hmm. And this sounds so silly, but, you know, NAMI New Hampshire does so much great work around behavioral health and mental health challenges, normalizing it, making sure people understand the support, suicide. And we started, I, I had lost my brother to suicide about two years ago. Uh, his anniversary is this weekend of his death. And we started talking about what that means to confront the varying degrees of occurrences that happened to us. And then we started talking about silly stuff like resolutions and just how do we prepare ourselves and our um, those around us for wellness? Like, what can we do? And it's so, I don't want to say it's simple because it feels challenging, but just connection, outreach, support, uh, encouragement, you know, all of these very small things that I'm in this COVID world, We've got to we've got to step step into it more, you know what I mean? Because we are kind of a back porch society at the moment, and we probably need to move more to the front porch. Yeah, there's there's that's been a big issue with COVID, where it's been really coming to light now as the stats from the previous two years really come out that the substantial amount of uh, drug abuse, suicide numbers, they're they're just off the rails. They're higher than the COVID deaths, I believe, ultimately, when it comes to uh, between those two things, if not just the, the substance abuse deaths, I'm pretty sure it might be pretty darn close. And that has an impact on the families, has an impact on the education for children, being able to make it to school. It's um, it's very painful. And mm-hmm. we need to not if COVID took over the whole news cycle and it, all these other horrible things are, are happening because we've been locked right. down and not seeing our extended family, not seeing our community. And mm-hmm. I imagine especially uh, NAMI must be especially uh, noticing that, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the tricky part, right? Because you're right. COVID has dominated the news cycle and, you know, because of the, the death tolls in, in many ways, rightfully so, because, you know, obviously we we kind of moved through this opioid crisis come covid crisis right and these crises are leaving uh leaving people behind too right we've got families uh, but the rise of things like acert uh which are these groups that go in to try to essentially help stabilize situations you've got mobile crisis teams coming in and what it has caused is a greater awareness of not only that intervention network when something happens what is our response and what is our follow-through but it's caused a growing awareness of prevention so you're going then before the crisis because you know if you're constantly going crisis to crisis, that's, it's no way to live, right? You're, you're looking at your feet and you got to look at the horizon at some point. 
Nathan Fink, Director of Advancement, New Hampshire Children's Trust, and host of New Hampshire Family Now. We've got about a minute left. What's coming down the pike for New Hampshire Family Now that people should subscribe on their favorite podcast platform to listen to? Well, I am so excited. We've got a host of exciting guests. I'm trying to step up my game because obviously we've got um, quite a few. Uh, uh, we, we've got you know some hilarity, some mix of family. So I'm gonna you know try to really exercise the strengths of that, which is connecting to these events. Bring in some, you know, political figures. Bring in, a, a, you know, people of kind of crescendoing, um, let's say, influence. But also making sure to bring in parents, family, kids. I can't wait to do that because when I hear those things, I think that's just like me, you know. So I can't wait to to get my my first seven year old interview. If you're you're a son's down. It's great. You're listening to the New England Taken to BKXL. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the New England Take to KXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead, continuing briefly my conversation with Nathan Fink, Director of Advancement at New Hampshire Children's Trust, and also host of New Hampshire Family Now, which you can listen to on WKXL in the mornings and the 6 a.m. hour on Mondays. So part of your job and just in general, the work of New Hampshire Children's Trust is advocacy. Uh, it's law is part my my uh, I'm a staffer at a law school and I, I love speaking with law, lawyers and lawmakers about uh, policy and ways that we can move forward with various things to help our communities what are some of the big things that your organization are, is working towards with the state to help life for families well one of the the massive things is when we work towards the biennium and that budget cycle is creating stable funding for those family resource centers and family ser- serving agencies because in all of my work and all of my interviews with folks and all of the the things that kind of lead me to talk to you know the service providers the executive directors the operations people when we don't have stability of service provision for people we see this kind of feast or famine this flux of support, right? Mm-hmm. So when we, you know, and this is the challenge or the crisis mindset, all of a sudden it floods in and then it floods out. And that is no way to create a net that is stable. So making sure that we have, uh, you know, line item funding for family resource centers and their kind of counterparts is an absolute huge thing. Another thing is when we go around and we start talking to lawmakers to for them to understand the impact of their votes where where it um leans on families or where it supports families, right? So trying to make sure that there is absolute direct impact and communication where, you know, if I'm a lawmaker and I'm voting on something, I know exactly what that is going to do to that network of family resource centers and the family support system and what are the potential impacts of that. So we don't have to kind of sling continually slingshot, obviously childcare is a big one. Um, You know, family friendly workplaces is a big one and housing. I mean, the way these play against the caregiver experience is incredible. If you're taking these pillars away, say housing, economic stability, if if we don't have these things, what we are going to have is kind of a really uh, wavy harbor. And it's hard to navigate in that, as, as you know. I mean, it, when the waves come from the outside for, from a pandemic, it's hard enough. But when they come from the inside as well, right. 
man, that is challenge stacked upon challenge. Yeah, it's a house of cards. If one one thing is taken out, the whole thing just comes crumbling down really quickly. And that was a lot of the the uh, confusion over what to do from a policy perspective with regards to reopening is, mm-hmm. like, is it better to keep sending checks to families? Is it just to go full bore, open the economy? And we, we, we saw that doing an in-between didn't work. It caused a disaster with regards to, we now have labor shortages. People are like, I don't know if I really want to go to this job because I can keep my family going with it, but maybe yeah, there's a better opportunity. And yeah. it's really it's really hard to make that decision. It's, you know, one thing I will, you know, because these are obviously pain points of what we're going through. One thing that I think the absolute bright spot is when I look around the Granite State and the caregivers that are, you know, giving care to their children, New Hampshire resilience, Granite State resilience is like nothing I've ever seen. The ingenuity of not only the folks here, but solution finding I adore it. And, you know, for the record, I I am originally from Wisconsin. So I I come to this with kind of that outsider eyes, which also means I have to say I'm a Packer fan. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Don't worry. We won't win the Super Bowl. That's that I can guarantee you. We just won't. But um, I when I come to this, I look around and I say, my goodness, the the community, the investment in community here early learning, education, family support. I've never seen anything like it. So while we've got all these waves, I think we have to acknowledge that. And the more that we as parents and caregivers engage in our systems, use our voice to influence those systems, the better they, they'll get. And you know, we're already coming to this as a privileged, I think a privileged group of people. So I wanted to put that out there though. Nathan Fink, Director of Advancement, New Hampshire Children's Trust and host of New Hampshire Family Now. Thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure. Have me on again, please. Definitely will. I'm AJ Kierset, and this has been the New England Take.